Hello, welcome to Bible Reads Me. I'm Charles Van Dersen. Today I will begin summarizing the daily chronological Bible reading beginning with October the 1st, day 274. We read that Jesus healed the lame man by the pool of Bethesda on the Sabbath day. The Pharisees protested that this action broke the law of Moses. They sought to kill him because he claimed to be equal to God and to be greater than the Sabbath day. His word cut deep into their hearts when he said that they search the scriptures for eternal life, but reject the one to whom all the scriptures point. They put more trust in their appearance of keeping the law than in placing their faith in the sacrificial one whose essence the law was and is satisfied. Other popular messiahs had tried to win victories over the Romans, but Jesus' popularity was stripped from him when it became apparent that his goal was to triumph over something far more sinister and eternally consequential than a mere oppressive invader. His victory was over evil of all time through his perfect obedience of the law and to his Father's perfect will. The Pharisees maintained a constant harassment campaign against Jesus and his disciples by accusing him of breaking the Sabbath and the traditions of their ancestors. Jesus retorted by exposing their hypocrisy, a revelation that they did not appreciate as much as the laity. October the 2nd, day 275. We read how the crowds followed Jesus so closely that he was in danger of being crushed. He chose 12 apostles from among his disciples. In his well-known Sermon on the Mount, he taught the Beatitudes. These were practical lessons for successful living in the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the only way that the teaching could be effectively accomplished. He warned the rich and powerful people that heaven's standard is opposite to the earth's, and obviously all souls will spend more time in eternity than on earth. Jesus taught that the spirit of the law was just as weighty as the letter of the law and used murder, adultery, vow-making, and lawful revenge as object lessons to expose his listeners' guilt and subsequent need for repentance and forgiveness. Jesus said that he came to accomplish the law's purpose. He taught that crimes are first committed in the heart so that the guilt of many seemingly well-behaved people would be far greater than they could have imagined. He encouraged those who are willing to deny themselves as the only way to act as children of the Most High God. Finally, Jesus taught that God only gives heavenly rewards for good deeds done in secret. October 3, day 276. We read Jesus' teaching on prayer and fasting, and I'm confident that he is the most authoritative on the matter. He taught that it is more expedient and profitable to store up treasures in heaven than on earth. He taught that to the degree that we condemn or pardon others is the same measure that God will apply to our personal offenses, which are undoubtedly far more evil than we are willing to admit. He taught that we should never give up on praying because the answer will come in due time. He taught the golden rule. He pointed out the fact that most people will choose the easy road that seems right to them and that only a few will find the path to heaven. Jesus pointed out that our true essence is heralded by our actions. He said that only those who do the will of his Father will go to heaven. The Father's will is that each individual will confess his or her utter sinful unworthiness and believe by faith in Christ's sacrifice and resurrection, resulting in living a life of fully yielding to his desires for the remaining number of breaths granted until death. Those who hear and reject his teaching absolutely will all be disappointed with the idea, object, good deed, or action in which he or she put his or her hope in for attaining eternal life. October the 4th, day 277. 
We read how Jesus, while greatly honoring the faith of a Roman officer, made a prophecy that I and people like me, Gentiles, are prepared to fulfill when we sit down together with the Messianic Jews to eat with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. This was a rebuke to the Jews who foolishly trusted in their racial genetics for salvation. Jesus healed the officer's slave and resurrected a widow's son. Then John the baptizer sent messengers to inquire if Jesus was the expected Messiah or not. John was seeking assurance that everything was going as planned. Jesus had to deal often with people's common misunderstanding of his purpose for coming in human form. His parents questioned his choice to remain in the temple. His mother Mary tried to rush his miracle-working power at the wedding in Canaan. His brothers accused him of seeking stardom. The synagogue leaders in Nazareth thought, briefly, that he would make a great Shazam. His followers expected him to start a catering business in the wilderness whenever he preached. The sick and the distressed expected him to become a circuit doctor. The Jews wanted him to relieve them of Roman taxes. His disciples wanted him to destroy resisting unbelievers with lightning, stop rival exorcisms, live in a temple built by Peter next to Moses and Elijah, and battle the Romans to reestablish the Israeli empire. Even John the baptizer expected more results from Jesus by this point in his ministry. Jesus took the opportunity to demonstrate the immense value of regeneration, that is a condition that saves the soul, to the work of a very good man, the condition that does not save the soul. Jesus prophesied that great distress would come to the unrepentant person. Jesus thanked God for revealing his salvation to the poor and lowly. A repentant prostitute anointed Jesus' feet in front of a self-righteous and disdainful Pharisee. Jesus mocked the Pharisee's arrogant piety by forgiving her of her sins without all the pompous rituals in which the Pharisee trusted and praised her for her expression of loving gratitude. October the 5th, day 278. We read that women helped to financially support Jesus and his disciples. The Pharisees attributed Jesus' miraculous power to Satan. Jesus warned that while blasphemy against him was forgivable, on the other side of a very fine line was the unforgivable sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's ministry is to convict the human heart of sin and to draw people to salvation. Anyone who knows the truth and would still offend such a benevolent holy being by attributing his work to Satan has committed the greatest of sins because he or she openly declares a complete rejection of God's saving power. That soul will suffer eternal damnation. In answering the Pharisees' demand for a sign of divine authority, Jesus affirmed the true account of Jonah's survival of a gastronomical saltwater-saturated adventure to describe part of his redemptive plan. Jesus' family tried to cut in on the crowds, but Jesus pointed out that the truest of familial relationships is spiritually connected. With the parable of the sower of the seed, Jesus predicted that nominal Christians will fall away. But those whose hearts have been tilled by the Holy Spirit will not only remain faithful, but will evangelize and disciple others. October the 6th, day 279. We read that the disciples needed Jesus to explain the parables that he taught. He told them that they were designed to reveal secrets and truth to only those who are tender to the Holy Spirit's wooing through conviction and whose heart's desire is to sincerely apply the lessons to his or her life. He prophesied that someday everything now concealed would be revealed to all. He taught other parables that described the nature of heaven from the perspective of the working class people. The farmer's true wheat will be saved from the burning. 
and his minuscule mustard seed will eventually develop into a thriving plant. The homemaker's lamp will reveal all things hidden in the shadows. The baker's gospel yeast will permeate the saved man or woman's life. This prospector's buried treasure of truth is worth more than all the possessions anyone can own. The merchant's pearl is worth more than all he possessed. For the fisherman, death will extract all souls from life like a fishing net gathers all species of fish from the water, where the desirable ones will be picked out. Jesus demonstrated his deity by canceling the storm's fury. As seasoned fishermen, they would understand better than anyone the severity of the storm and how close they came to drowning. Finally, he challenged the disciples' small development of faith. October the 7th, day 280. We read that Jesus delivered two men of demon possession. The community became so afraid that they begged Jesus to leave. Could it be that there were more demon-possessed people nearby, and so they were afraid that they were about to lose the rest of their livestock? I don't know. As a perfect gentleman would be expected to do, Jesus obliged them. Jesus healed a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, and he resurrected a deceased girl that was 12 years old. I don't think that the fact that both of these entities involved 12 years is significant, but I can't help but wonder if 12 years earlier, the woman and Jairus, the synagogue leader, had any contact with each other. The woman's constant bleeding would have made her permanently unclean and so unable to worship in the synagogue. Jairus began a 12-year period of joy and hope, while the woman began 12 years of depression and hopelessness. Then for both to converge together to receive a priceless gift from Jesus on the same day would have been a beautiful restoration of a severed relationship. This is just one of my musing diversions. I also wonder if the Jewish community considered Jesus unclean, since a bleeding woman had touched him, and he had also touched a dead body. On the issue of blood, see Leviticus chapter 12, verse 2 and 5, and chapter 15, verse 19. In the issue of touching a dead body, see Numbers chapter 19, verse 11, and verses 13 through 16. This ends this week's episode of Daily Chronological Bible Readings. My next episode will pick up on October the 8th, day 281. I look forward to your visit then. May the Lord bless you.